This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. You listen to the West MY podcast with Dave and X. Oi, oi. Hello and welcome to the West Ham Way podcast with myself, Dave Walker, an XWHU employee. This week we talk about the all-important game on Saturday, how we would approach that fixture, and Mark Noble coming back to the club as a sporting director before speaking to three of the Toronto Hammers on their 10-year anniversary, getting news from X, and answering questions from Patreons of the West Ham Way. X, during this painfully boring international break, have you had any time to reflect on the situation with West Ham? Are you stewing over it? Are you relaxed? What are you thinking? Um, I don't know, really. I've tried to take my mind off it all, really. It's good. The international um, window is good, sort of, for me, in terms of my well-being, because obviously West Ham just like dominates everything uh, when they're playing and stuff. So for them not to be, I've tried to forget about it. But obviously, as the Wolves game edges closer, the more I think that that game is so important. It is a game that we must get three points in. So I guess the closer we get to it, I mean, it's Monday now, but the closer we get to it, the more I'm going to be um, concerned that whether we will pick up the three points or not. Yeah, it's a massive game there. There's a lot of pressure on... Moyes and the boys. Um, I feel a bit nervous about it, but confident for some reason. I'm just waiting for this really good group of players to really kickstart their season. And I just got a feeling in my bones that it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen on Saturday against Wolves. And let's hope it does, because you know it's not a nice place to be if you're David Moyes on the back of a loss to Wolves, because uh, I think people would, um, would really start to get concerned then. Let's say, X, you became the manager of West Ham tomorrow, right? 
I'd be gutted with that appointment, by the way. I mean, we'd be looking at someone with far more experience than you. I know you did some good things with the district back in the day, but with respect, you know, that'd be a seriously shit appointment in my eyes. I, th- I think you sold me short there. I'm also good on football manager as well. I have, you know, and, and the only reason you're gutted is because the podcast, no one would listen to it anymore. That's why. <laughs> oh, I'll give you that one. Back of the net there. Quick, very quick witted. Um, Thank you. But, but, but let's say it happened, right? Give me your formation and start an 11 for Saturday against Wolves. I'd like to go attacking for this game, you know. I think it's, you know, Wolves are off form. I think they've only got one fit centre-back or one available centre-back because Collins was suspended. He got sent off in their, their last game um, for a horrific challenge. So, uh, yeah, I think I think you've got to go and look to get the fans on, on board and, and get the atmosphere going before you even get there. So I'd be tempted, if I was David Moyes, to play three at the back, five in midfield and two up front. You know, like really, really go for it and show a statement of intent and go attacking. So I'd be tempted to, I think, a torn between Ariola and Fabianski. You know, I've always argued that I think Fabianski's on the way out and stuff, and I don't think he's playing that well and so on. But this season so far, I wouldn't say... He's been particularly at four or anything so far. So I think I think I'd probably stick with Fabianski for the time being, just for this game. And then I think I'd have Kehera uh, Kehra, sorry, um as a right centre back, Zuma as a left centre back, and either Ogbonna or Dawson as the other centre back. So like three centre backs playing. Uh, probably Ogbonna because he's left footed. Um so I'd be, but then I do prefer Dawson as a player. So but I'll go with Ogbonna. I'll go with Ogbonna, Zuma and Kara at the the back and then I think I'd go five in midfield so I'd go Declan Rice obviously Um, and then I think I'd play Downs alongside him um, as a sort of defensive midfield and then the three I'd have um, Bowen I'm going to give him another chance Bowen on the right wing I have Corney on the left wing Oh, no, hold on a minute. No, no, I'm not. I'm going to have Rice and Piquetta, central midfield. Okay, so I'm going to have Rice and Piquetta as the two central midfielders. Then I'm going to have Bowen on right wing, Corday on left wing, Ben Rama through the middle. And then I'm going to have Antonio and Scamacca up front. Yeah, it's a good shout. It's a good shout. It, for me, it's quite hard to answer this question because I think the formation we're playing at the moment is the right one. But for whatever reason, it doesn't seem to be working. And I think a, a real key part of that is Paqueta playing in the number 10 role. Now, typically, you could play that role for any other club in the fucking world and probably smash it. But for West Ham so far, it's been a bit slow. And I think it's purely because he's not he's not getting the ball enough in that position. So I think dropping him in the centre of midfield, he'll get the ball a lot more and be able to do more things with it. So I think that's a really good shout. Um <sighs> Three at the back, there's definitely an argument for that, 100%, especially as there are question marks over the fullbacks as well. Well, that's uh, what I'm thinking. I'm so thinking, you know, sure. well, this is what I'm thinking. Like, obviously, Ben Johnson, like, as far as I'm aware, although I should have checked this, but I haven't, but as far as I'm aware, Ben Johnson won't make this game. Um, so that means you haven't got a right back um, option. And even if he does make the, make the game, if he is fit, he hasn't played for a while. So Shafal has been off form, there's been question marks over Cresswell so this is an easy solution to it and I, I just think that in too many games we've been negative too many games you know played five at the back the next three games really if we go out and attack them you know um, Wolves 
Fulham and Southampton. We should be looking to pick up maximum points from those games. And the only way we've scored three goals, I think it is all season in the Premier League. You know, there's only going to be <clears throat> there's only going to be one way to improve that is to go more attacking. Um, and I just feel that that's that's the way to do it. And then with that, I've taken out Chafal. I've taken out. Um, Suchek. I also think Bowen I would be close close to dropping, close to dropping but I'm going to say to him, look you've really got to turn it on now, you're not getting in the England team because obviously he didn't start against Italy and I think he's just been told today that he's not in the squad for Germany, so in order to get his England squad back for the World Cup he's not, you know, whether his head's been turned because of Liverpool and Arsenal interest, I can't say but even if it has, that's not going to make a difference now before the World Cup because he can't move until January, so if he wants to go to the World Cup, he's going to have to start performing. So I would sit him down and say, look, Wolves are weak at the back. This is your chance to get your season up and running now. So I would give him another game. But in this formation, I've got rid of the two checks who I don't think are performing at the moment. And um, I think that would give the fans a boost. If you was to, you know, if you're walking to the ground and you hear the team from our Patreon exclusively first, um, you would, uh, you would um, see and probably be I think, oh, wow, he's really going for it today. And automatically, as fans, that gives you a bit more of an edge, I think. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely on board with your idea. But one thing I want to see, if we're going to go for it on Saturday, is a fast start from West Ham. And that's something that's few and far between these days. And that really frustrates me. There's two things that stand out for me with West Ham. One is how slowly we tend to start. And two is our lack of possessional play. They're two things that really drive me mad because both of which can be easily fixed. Because my concern with that formation is because it's so attacking, you're naturally going to be quite vulnerable to the counter-attack. Definitely. And if you go, if you go one or two nil down with that formation, then really you've either got to stick with it and hope that at some point you pull it off or you've got to change the formation to only go more defensively and chase a 2-0 lead. You know, Yeah, it's, I agree. It's a tough one. So, yeah, there's definitely a risk because they've never played this formation before. I mean, technically, you could argue they have, and you can, because they've played five, like, you know, five at the back and sort of wing backs. But, but obviously, you can say to Cornet and Bowen, you know, we want you to work the complete flanks and stuff. So they do double up, double up as wing backs occasionally when defending. But you're right, it is a risk because you've never played it before. And if you do go a goal or two down, you know, you, you, you're buggered really because it's an attacking formation. But what I, what I would hope to do is get started really well get a couple of goal, goals sit it out for a bit and then on the 60th minute or so you know maybe take antonio off and then bring on another defender um and maybe take off Bequeta and bring on another defender and then shore it up like that and i think hopefully that would be that would get you the result i mean ultimately we've got to get the three points against walls the yeah. a draw a draw at home to walls is not good enough um so in order to get the three points we've got to score goals so mm-hmm. it's it, so an obvious thing to say but you you go for an attacking formation and i think a lot of the negativity that i've heard from around people involved in the team and the squad and stuff is that they feel that we do set up too defensive when we've got you know all these attacking players that we've spent a lot of money on that can't get in the team and then we're and then we're not creating chances we're not scoring then they say well why don't we set up more attacking why are we going to the likes of everton who are at the time in the relegation zone um and not going looking to win these games with the formations i think i think 
it would I think it would give a boost to everyone. It might not work, and obviously the players have been on international duty, so a lot of them won't have had much time to practice this formation. But you know, it's Declan plays today, doesn't he? England and Germany's as does Kehera. Um, so they'll be back. The other players um, will be back soon. So you've got a good few days. And at the end of the day, they're professional footballers, so they should be able to adapt to a formation change. Yeah, 100%. I was quite interested to see that you would keep Bowen in, because I would. But based mm. on form, he shouldn't be, really, should no, he? So no. I don't know about you, but I think I'd give him the first half. And if we yeah. saw no improvement, then you'd have to make a change, wouldn't you? Because he's, so. he's, got, he's, he's got to get it back at some point. And you'd think Wolves at home would be the ideal opportunity for him. Well, exactly, especially on the back of the England disappointment. You know, you, you have to use that as a motivation. You have to say to him, look, mate, it looks like you're in danger of not making it to the World Cup squad. You know, how gutting is that going to be? You would have gotten it, got in it last year if you'd continued with the with that you know on the base of that form so you've got to go out there and get that form back walls fulham and um southampton are the perfect opportunities for you to get some goals and start performing um and hopefully you know he will so what's your score prediction for saturday um, well, I'm going to go with the fact that well, I the thing is, I've picked my dream team, so to speak. I don't think Moyes would do that. I think Moyes, I don't think Moyes would ever go that attacking. He's just not. He's just not that way. Um, so I think he would still play probably four at the back. I wouldn't be surprised if you know Chafau and Cresswell are there, and um, you know Zuma and um, Carrot centre back. I, I don't think he'll go as attacking. I wouldn't even be surprised if Suchek still keeps his place. So in fact, I've picked what I would do. I think it's kind of irrelevant to what David Moyes would do. I mean, David Moyes' team will be something like, and obviously I haven't heard the team, so this is just me guessing. It's not ITK knowledge, but I mean, Fabianski in goal. I mean, he'll go Chaffel right back, Kera and Zuma centre-back with Cresswell left-back, and then he'll probably go Rice, Suchek, Piquetta, probably have Ben Rama on the left, Bowen on the right, and Antonio up front. That's what I think he'll do. It's not what I would want him to do, but just knowing his sort of stubbornness to tactics and what he's done before, that's what I would guess he would do. With that in mind, even if he does do that, I still think we'll win the game. I, I don't know why, and I don't really have an explanation for it, but I feel quite confident in this game. And so I'm going to go over 2-0 West Ham win. Yep, snap. I feel confident, maybe naively so, but I do. And I'm also going to go for a 2-0 win. So, uh, bloody hell, let's hope we're right. Eh? Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club. Because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. 
Um, mm-hmm. Don't forget that before the game is the West Ham Way pre-match event that sees Ginger Pele return to Leighton Stone for a live interactive Q&A. There's not many tickets left for this, so if you want to come, book your place sooner rather than later. Uh, X, Mark Noble is coming back to West Ham as a sporting director. What did you think of that news? Yeah, great appointment, mate. And I think it's been times to be released now as well. You know, he's not actually taking the role till the 2nd of January. So they could have announced it at any point before. Um, I I think it's been agreed a while as well, which is why I was able to break it on this podcast not long ago. But um, it is is a position that has been uh, created for him. And I think it's the perfect position for him. I think it's been announced now to give us a bit of a boost. In this international break, I think they've chosen it strategically to give us a boost. And it is a boost because no one knows the club better than Mr. West Ham. Um, No one can do that role any better. You know, his role includes, you know, welcoming new signings to the club, recommendations on signings, working in the academy, supporting the coaches there, developing the players within the academy, um, being a support for them, being a link between the academy and the manager, you know, recommending players and how they're getting on. Then he's also the link between the manager and the players where he's 100% respected by all um, and the board as well. I think he's given an extra voice of the players to the board now beyond the manager. I think it's brilliant. I mean, it's the perfect role for him. You know, yes, he hasn't got any managerial experience, but I don't think he needs it the experience he needs is the respect and the passion for the club and the intelligence and i think i think he's got all three and you know there's no coincidence you know people are talking about why our form is the way it is and you know you can put it down to maybe too many new signings not embedded in maybe being unlucky maybe moise's tactics maybe stuart pierce leaving you know there's a whole range of factors but for me one of the key ones is losing mark noble's presence both on the pitch but arguably more importantly in the dressing room and around the training ground and i think the fact that he is back now is a massive boost for us and it couldn't have been a better appointment and i and i can't wait till um january to see the impact that he has yeah well said mate couldn't put it better myself and good luck to him as well come january well as it's the international break earlier on i caught up with matt stewart and gavin from the toronto hammers who celebrate their 10th anniversary next week let's start with you matt you're an expat living in canada how did the Toronto Hammers actually form? Yeah, it was, uh, well, this is, this is now year 10. So next week we, uh, we have our 10th year anniversary. So really back in 2012, um, I was moving over here and then didn't actually know anyone here. So uh, went on to Knees Up Mother Brown, looked on the international uh, supporters section, see if there's anyone about. And there really wasn't anything any group for, for Toronto Hammers. So there was one lad on there that um, lived in Toronto. We got talking um, and then was like, okay, let's give this a go. So we punted out some social media, see who's out there. And then really that was the, the formation. So Stu and Gav, I landed, I landed on the Friday and then by the Saturday morning at 9am, we were in the pub, Stu, Gav and I, and one other who's, who's no longer part of the, the group but uh was in the pub and was away and running so really that day forward we we were like right should we should we make this something and we ended up in some pretty crappy uh crappy pub called the duke of gloucester which was never going to be the forever home but we started <laughs> throwing around some some pubs and uh found one that was uh, the owner was a big west ham fan just opened uh, called the 
the dog and bear and um we went for it so we started you know creating all the social media forming the group and gradually more and more people um started coming through and that was really like the start of the group wow that's amazing so you actually found a boozer where the owner was a west ham fan as well yeah exactly he's uh yeah and he actually funny enough they're celebrating their 10 years as well they opened about two months two months before us and uh he yeah he's absolutely you know quality guy and they they will they committed to open the pub whatever the time so if we get a nice early kickoff that's like 7 30 uh, for us so he'll open and we're you know we're in there uh drinking our coffee till we can legally get a, a beer or earlier wow. I love that, mate. That is superb. So how many West Ham fans are there in the group as we stand? Yes, I mean, we've got, it it varies, to be honest with you, because like we've got, I'd say, you know, 10 to 15 core members that will always be there. And then, you know, we've, um, we can get upwards of 30, 40, 50. And, you know, the beauty of it is you get um, people coming in town like if they're on holiday or their kids are in Toronto or whatever, or you've got people who live outside the city, like people are kind of in and out all the time. So, um, you know, we, for the European games last week, it was uh, last year, last season, it was, uh, yeah, we got serious, uh, serious crowds. Like it was, it was pretty great to see. We even had, um, even Craig Forrest came down to join us. <laughs> wow. That is superb. So did he know about you guys? It wasn't by chance, was it? I'm assuming he saw you on social media and he knew where you were going to be. Yeah, well, to be honest with you, the guys ghosted us for years, but say no more. But we've, uh, oh, yeah. um, he's a presenter on, or he was a presenter on, uh, really the equivalent of, of Sky Sports here. So he was, we were sending him messages saying, come down and sponsor us and everything. And uh, he finally did. So he came down and uh, he's actually a, a quality lad. Really, yeah, he is. Really yeah, good he is. player. Yeah. You know, he yeah. Bought us all a pint, uh, asked for forgiveness for ghosting us and claimed <laughs> someone was managing his Twitter, which sounds a bit bullshit, but that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> but he, you know, he made up for it with a free beer, so there you go. Yeah, quality stuff, mate. And Stuart, you're also an expat. Where are you from originally and why do you support West Ham? Uh, Hertfordshire. I'm from Hertfordshire. So, uh, you know, I, when I played, like I'm, you know, I was born in the 60s, Um you know, everyone I played with in the area, I mean, the closest, I'm allowed to say this, the closest town is Watford. Um, but there was, you know, that that everyone I played with when I played football growing up, and we all had a London team we supported because just because of uh, at that, at that time, there was Watford weren't, a, anyway, weren't a Premier League team or a First Division team. So everybody had a London team. And I had a cousin who was a great football player and, you know, I sort of looked up to him and he was a West Ham supporter. And so I just sort of followed my, uh, followed my cousin there and sort of fell in love with West Ham. You know, that was in the, in the sixties and seventies and really never looked back. Um, so yeah, I've been to Upton Park too many times to count. Mm, oh, I can imagine, mate. I can imagine. And you've also been in Canada for a long time now. What's the general feeling towards West Ham from Canadian football fans? I, I mean, they're because of you know we we seem to have uh, um, because of movies and things like that. We lots of people seem to know us. Um, those that know soccer sort of look at West Ham as the same as the same as as British people do, sort of club of the people, to, so to speak. Um, so generally, yeah, no, we're we're well received. I mean, you know, we're, we're certainly not, unfortunately, not the biggest supported club here, but um, you know, we're. Everybody knows we're a Premier League team. 
and uh, you know, we get we get um, you know good reaction from most people. Anyway, we don't have we don't we don't have the rivalries, the close rivalries that you would in Britain. So it's not as if you've got sort of a, you know Spurs supporters don't like you or anything like that. They just sort of accept you, and that's that. Yeah. Yeah, no, I experienced that myself um, in the US, so I, I can understand the concept. Uh, Gavin, you are Stuart's son, and you were born in Canada. So your love for the club obviously comes from your old man, but I heard a vicious rumour that your brother is a Man United fan. What's all that about? Oh, I, I don't. I, we actually disowned him when he told us. <laughs> don't blame you. No, it was, uh, we were younger, and... Uh, and I, I, we were over over on a, on a family trip in England, and I remember, I remember we were at a shop, and my dad said, "What you know, what what kids do you want?" And I just said, "I want what Dad's got." Like uh, obviously being West Ham, and my brother, a little bit different, man. You, this would have been early two thousands, you know, kind of in that Sir Alex Ferguson uh, heyday, I guess. And he went with the the easy route, and uh, I grew up uh, with him, you know, watching Man U win everything, and West Ham going up and down, and but uh, I always say it's character building and it's uh, it's I would never trade it uh, for anything else. And and uh, yeah, I, I love it. And yeah, we try not to talk about my brother or, or his embarrassment to the family. So. <laughs> so I've got to be honest, right? I'm terrible on global time differences. Gav, what what would the time be typically in Canada for a three o'clock kickoff in the UK? I'd be 10 in the morning. Um, so That's it's, it's too five, bad. five hours here. Yeah. Oh, that's not too bad. So are you boys doing anything to celebrate the 10-year anniversary? Um, yeah, actually, Matt is uh, organizing, well, you know, kind of group organizing. We're going to go on a cheeky little trip uh, in February to Cancun. So get out of the snow and the cold weather and uh, go have some uh, beers on the beach and uh, watch uh, West Ham on the beach. Fucking hell. That is a celebration, <laughs> isn't it? I expected a few beers down the, uh, down the local, but you're going to Cancun to celebrate. Wow, you boys yeah. don't miss there's about that, There's a lot of lads that uh, are desperate for some sunshine and all-inclusive beers, Dave. That's what's the <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's so a West Ham and the... And uh, some, and the some good views just to get one, yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh, I love it. So do you boys actually get to many games? Because it's not exactly around the corner, is it? Um, well, pre-COVID, um, we would go to quite a few, actually. Um, the last three or four years at Upton Park, my dad and I had season tickets actually. So we, I'd get to about six matches a year. I'd try and plan my travels over when, you know, we'd have back-to-back weekend games with a midweek game. So I wouldn't always be going up to park because you know, we wouldn't have three home matches. So do a few away days with the boys. And Matt introduced me to quite a few good lads that, that he, he grew up going to the football with. So um, before COVID uh, and before we left the uh, Upton Park, I was getting to quite a few. Uh, my dad and I kept our seasons at the Olympic Stadium for a season or two, but it just wasn't the same as you know. Um, we we go over about one or two matches a year now, but it you know the atmosphere changed a little bit, and now with COVID, it's a bit tough. It was tougher to get over, but I mm. saw two matches last year. So. Nice. Nice. So, Matt, back to you, mate. We've had a great couple of seasons under David Moyes, but are we seeing the beginning of the end for him, or is he still the man for the job? Uh, I mean, you've got to give him time. I think is the thing I would say. Like, it's such a, it's such a weird moment right now. It feels, it feels like we're in a rebuild as a club, but not really much has has changed. And I think that's 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 the issue. Is I didn't get. 
at least the start of the season or before the start of the season, you know, he wasn't, we've just gone and dropped 180 mil. You'd think he'd be kind of jumping around and really bigging up the season and saying this is going to be big things, propel us into, you know, top four. Um, but didn't get any sense of that. It was very flat and he was very much, the narrative was that, you know, things are uh, a bit flat around the club and it, it just didn't give the right feel. But, um, I mean, on one hand, you know, I'm reading the stats that someone sent me last week and we're 19th for pretty much everything in the league in terms mm. of tackling, passing and, and, and all the things that he came in to change. It looks like we've, we've done the opposite. But on the other hand, all that he's done for us, he deserves time. And I think, yeah. you know, you've got to look at the next three, four, five, maybe five games, take a look at the equation. You've got to look at the next five and say he deserves that shot at fixing it but the reality is this you know it's cutthroat business right if he doesn't if he doesn't get the res- results in the next you know three wins or whatever out of those five then maybe that is the the time for the change sadly mm. do you agree with that Stuart yeah yeah I'm, I'm unfortunately yeah unfortunately I do I'd like I mean I think you know Moyes has come in and rescued us a couple of times and you know I'm eternally grateful for that but um yeah the results and uh I mean, I put the, the the sort of the decline or the way you, the the lack of results towards the end of last season, um, maybe on sort of squad depth and being a bit tired and a few injuries, <clears throat> but um, we've I think we did some pretty good business as a club over the over the summer. Um, so I we can't really complain of that, but we just maybe it's these players just haven't sort of hit the ground running, or we just can't seem to get back to to where we were at this time last season, and it's a bit disappointing. So I'm sort of on the same page as as Matt, where I you know like to see him get a little bit more time, but I don't think we can you know if it doesn't change, we just can't risk staying you know status quo, staying with him and. Uh, no, we just we just we don't really want to rele- we definitely don't want a relegation battle, especially you know with we we're all we're all we're all actually hoping as West Ham supporters we can actually kick on forward to the next level and mm. um you know it'd be nice if Moyes could do it but um let's see what happens over the next month or so. Mm. I mean, Gav, we're only seven games into a thirty-eight game season. Is this just a bump in the road, or are you worried? I, I'm, I'm worried, and that's because uh, if you look like as Coxie alluded to the stats from last year, we we're on a pretty barren run in the league. I think it's we've only won one or two matches. I think in the last ten to fifteen games or something like that in the Premier League at least. And I, that 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 worries me that we've carried that that form at the end of last season where you know maybe it was a few injuries and and squad depth, but we we changed that in the summer with some new signings, and it's still we haven't seemed to, to kick on or pick up. Um, so it is slightly worrying, but I do uh, echo what Coxie and, and my dad are saying regarding giving Coxie a little, I would not Coxie, sorry, uh, giving boys a little bit more time. Um, and we'll give Coxie more time too. On, uh... <laughs> yeah, no, I, I have to agree. I mean, when he got the job, Moisey, I was absolutely gutted, to be honest. Um, and then I, I never expected him to do the job that he's done at West Ham, which has been a brilliant one. And uh, I, I think we owe him that time at the very least, don't we? I think that's fair to say. But Matt, I mean, how long do you think Moisey will be given to turn this around? Because the board have, have, have come out and publicly supported him, which, <laughs> as history shows, isn't always the greatest thing to get public show of support if you're at that stage. But they have. Um how long do you think he will be given and how long do you think he should be given? 
I mean, it, it, again, it, it comes, it almost comes down to who's available as well, right? And that's the, that's the biggest challenge here. I think we'd all, you know, if we were a year on and old Graham Potter was about to get fired from Chelsea, which I'm sure will happen, we'd be jumping at the, you know, jumping at the bit to get him in. But the reality is, who do we actually get? Um, who is going to be available? You know, you can talk Rogers. I mean, Pochettino, Tommy Tickle. Like, really, are we going to get both of those? I mean, probably not. So, I think they've invested in him. I don't think they want another situation where you know we've signed all these players and then you've got a new manager comes in and perhaps they don't fit that new manager's system. Um, I don't think they want that. So, I think they will literally give him as much as is until his job becomes untenable and you really sense the players just are not playing for him, which I don't know if that's the case or not. It, it, it's just weird around the club right now. And mm. I think if you look at, you, you have to wonder that the names that we lost, we may not have changed huge amounts, but how big a loss is Nobes? How big a loss is some of the backroom team, you know, Pierce or whatever else? Like, are, is this just a, a transition period where we're trying to, kind of rebuild in the in the back room as much as out on the pitch. So I think for me, he needs he, he should be given the five games. Um I think they're all all winnable games except for Liverpool. He's he's earned that right. And frankly, if we're not picking up six to nine, I mean that's not even a great return. If we're not picking up that out of them games, then it's you're now getting into Christmas and a relegation battle and you can't afford to to be flat. Um particularly the stats that that uh, we're currently seeing. Mm, I think that that is the worry for me. And I think you're spot on with the stats because when David Moyes joined West Ham, I think we were actually 20th in the table for all of those football related uh, stats. So, you know, transitional play, ground covered, passes, tackles, all that kind of stuff. And then he completely transformed every single player to put us near the top of the table for all those parts. Now we're back down the bottom again. It does kind of suggest a lack of quality, a lack of desire and a lack of effort as well. When you're looking at distance covered, for example, my worry is that that potentially could indicate that he has lost the dressing room. I don't know if he has, and I hope that he hasn't. And I would think that he would carry more respect from the players for that to be the case. But Gav, do you think that there is a chance he might have lost the dressing room? I I don't think he has, not at this point. Um, if, if anything with distance covered or it's just, Maybe Vlad's are just knackered, and it was a long season last year with you know going to the semifinals of the Europa, and we didn't have a, a, a deep squad. And we know the season started earlier, and the, the matches are coming uh, thick and fast this year with the, the Winter World Cup. That I'm I'm putting it down to to just you know the lads being a bit tired as opposed to downing tools, and he's lost a dressing room. Especially I know we've lost lads like Noble in the changing room and and stuff like that, but. Uh, I just the, the squad unity and the vibe around the team last year just seems so good that I just I can't see him having lost the, the dress the, the the change room that quickly go to the dressing room but um, like you I, I hope he hasn't. Mm. So lads, I'm going to ask you all the same question and I'll start with you, Stuart. From all your years supporting West Ham, if there was one player you could bring back to play in the current side based on what we need, who would it be and why? Oh, you know, you always go, always, always got to think of Billy Bonds and his, and his, and, you know, where his, was his heart on his chest and, you know, just, just gave everything for West Ham. Um, you know, was he the greatest player we ever had? Got, you know, um, 
you know, probably maybe not the best, technically the best player we had, but, um, you know, he's just a, a true club man like, like Noble. Um, it might actually even be Mark Noble to bring back because uh, we, 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 I think we miss, I don't know, I, I, going back to the last thing I asked about Gavin, I, we, I, we might miss Noble in the dressing room. So, um, you know, I'd have to go back to my years and, and, and say Billy Bonds. I just like, just, you know, he just, he was just, he, he epitomized the West Ham, the West Ham way. He was like, he just, if, if he gave 110% every game. Mm. And that's, and I think that's what we need now. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. What about you, Gav? What would you say? I had to go with uh, Savio and Nisreco because <laughs> the team, they just they wouldn't be able to find him on the pitch and he just popped up. <laughs> yeah, not many players have invisibility in their skill set, do they, to be fair? No. So that's actually a good shout. <laughs> uh, in all seriousness, I'd go with Dean Ashton because I know Antonio's done a job for us, but he's he's more of a winger than a striker and we haven't really had a, a striker of his quality, you know, really since him. And I, I'd go with Dean Ashton and stick him up top and and get his goals back in the side and, and you know, be able to play, you know, Antonio on the wing or even give Antonio a rest. I know we've got Smacka, but he's he's not starting at the minute yet. So I, I'd go with Dean Ashton. Yeah, what a player he was. Heartbreaking the way his career mm-hmm. finished as well. Um, Matt, what about you, pal? Yeah, I mean... I don't want to say Tevez because we're going to need it for the great escape, but I think for <laughs> me, probably probably more recent as well, probably Payet. Because um, mm. I think, you know, he can, even when the team, what in certain games that weren't performing, he could still put it out of the bag, right? He was, you know, uh, one of the best I've seen live, to be honest with you. He could carry us at times. So um, I think we need that right now. We need that bit of individual masterclass to get us going. Um, because we're missing, maybe Paquetta can be that guy, but it's obviously not going to happen uh, immediately. I think we've we've come to the conclusion. So I think you chuck Pyatt in there, and suddenly your your team lifts around you. Mm, yeah, three great shouts there, lads. Absolutely. Well, I mean, this conversation's coming to a close uh, pretty soon, but I can't let it close without asking you, Gav, to tell me about the mascot that you've adopted at the Toronto Hammers. What's the story, mate? It's it's an interesting story. So there's another Gav uh, who's part of the Toronto Hammers. And so this is one of those, it's his, let me see if I can get this right. His brother's girlfriend's mother's neighbor heard about Gav, who, you know, he's moved from, from England over to, to Toronto and joined the, you know, the Toronto Hammers uh, supporters group. So she knit uh, a Claret and Blue little teddy bear with a, you know, little, Canada flag on the front and TH on the back and sent it over to him. And, you know, he brings it down the pub one day and we're thinking, okay, well, we've named him Bubbles and thought, okay, so what are we going to do with them? Like we can bring them to the, to the pub, but that, you know, that's not, you know, it's no fun. Um, so what, what can we kind of do? So it's quite a large group we have of, of poor guy, uh, of lads and a lot of us travel at different times of the year. So we thought every time someone goes on holiday, it'd be brilliant for, for Bubbles to go with them. And we thought, this is a brilliant idea. It's going to be a good laugh, get some photos for the Instagram and, you know, bring them to different grounds and football matches that we all go to. And and then we thought there's got to be some kind of penalty or punishment. And uh, we came to the conclusion that uh, if you lose a Bubbles while he's in your possession, um, that you uh, you stick your visa behind the bar for, for a match and the, the lads that have taken him away get to, uh, drink on you because you've lost bubbles. So it went from 
brilliant having this. You know, he's a little fucking teddy bear. I'm sorry for swearing, but he, he kind of he gets on your tits a little bit because when it's your turn to take him. You just shit yourself all trip. You know, do you stick him in the carry on? Do you stick him in the luggage? Like my dad and I, we actually went down to Columbia this year, and I'm thinking I've got a teddy bear in my bloody luggage. Like they're gonna be thinking, bringing all sorts, you know, into Columbia, out of Columbia, and you know, he's <laughs> just. Oh, <laughs> uh, he's in Australia right now. One of the one of the lads has him there, so it's a nice break. Him being on the other side of the world, I just keep praying he gets eaten by a crocodile. <laughs> oh, what a story! That is superb. So, boys, did the Toronto Hammers have any social media takes then? So, you know, should anyone want to find you, lads? What's the best way to go about it? Uh, we have oh, sorry, I, I think I was we have Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, it would be helpful if I had those on hand. Uh, I think they're just Toronto Hammers Coxie. With... Yeah, uh, Instagram's Toronto underscore Hammers. So uh, Gav and I started as social media coordinators and realised we're both pretty shit at it. So we <laughs> handed it to our mate Richie, Richie Sticks, who's a member and, uh, you know, is uh, lives on lives on social media. So he's, uh, he's running the show. So yeah, Toronto underscore Hammers and... Uh, yeah, we Facebook's, uh, yeah. Yeah, Facebook's just at Toronto Hammers, and I believe Twitter is as well. Well, boys, it's been great speaking to you. Thanks for coming on. Keep flying the flag over there, and hopefully I'll see you for a few beers in Toronto next year. Sounds great. Three good lads from the Toronto Hammers there. Big shout to anyone that flies the flag overseas, wherever you are. Right, we're going to debut a new feature on this podcast that's supposed to give you some relatively interesting information about upcoming opponents. It's called Who Are You? And I have about a minute to tell you as much as I can about the club. If you like it, I'll do it again. If you don't, then bollocks. This weekend we face Wolverhampton Wanderers, otherwise known as Wolves, but they haven't always been Wolves. When they formed in 1877, they were actually called St Luke's until they changed their name in 1879. Whilst I haven't seen them win a trophy in my lifetime, their trophy cabinet is far from empty with 11 league titles, 4 FA Cups and 2 League Cups. Wolves were also one of the first British teams to install floodlights at their stadium and used to arrange floodlit friendlies with overseas opponents. Derek Parkin has made the most amount of appearances for the club with 609. Their all-time leading goal scorer is Steve Ball with 309 and he also holds the club record for the most amount of hat-tricks, 18 in total. But it's John Butcher that has scored the most amount of goals in a single game. He got five against Accrington in 1892. Wolves were also the first club to score 7,000 league goals. And the golden black colours of Wolverhampton Wanderers originate from the city's motto, Out of Darkness Cometh Light with gold and black representing light and dark, respectively. Famous fans include Robert Plant. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club, because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. 
Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Required old Beverly Knight, Jimmy Osmond and apparently Mike Tyson, which I think is a load of bollocks, but they're claiming it. That is Wolverhampton Wanderers. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.